1: Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Oh, Father, we love you. We praise you. Your plan is correct. Uh, It will accomplish everything that you want. And we praise you that we can be a part of it. And we ask you to protect your people through these days that come, the, the elect of your people and deliver them from evil. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to do Great Earthquakes and Tsunamis, number two. And I'm going to share first that time is running out. This is Marie Kelton, 2823. The Lord gave me this open vision at night, and I was asleep, but I woke up and I saw the Lord standing at the foot of my bed. He was wearing a hooded white cloak, so I could not see his face. The Lord was holding a pocket watch by the chain in his right hand. The arms on the watch were moving really fast. I didn't think anything of it and tried to go back to sleep. I then saw the vision again, but this time the Lord was at the side of my bed where I was trying to sleep. I thought the interpretation was that time is running out. Um, Well, I believe time is fast running out before the Lord's mighty judgments, and um, the man-child is coming to choose the bride. At the time of the earthquakes, that are already beginning, yeah. we're going to share this revelation. It's called uh, San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge quake. Uh, Michael Boldia Jr. Two three two thousand and six, and he gives Isaiah. No, no, that's mine. I did this. Isaiah 24, 19 through 20. The earth is violently broken. The earth is split open. The earth is shaken exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall totter like a hut. Its transgression shall be heavy upon it. And it will fall and not rise again. And Michael said, while I was in Romania, one night after my devotions, I went to bed exhausted and in need of much sleep. My body ached, and all I really wanted was to get some good rest. But as I fell into a deep sleep, I had a dream. I dreamt I was in a hotel room asleep when the bed began to shake violently I knew what was happening right away, having lived in California in the 1980s. I was keenly aware of what an earthquake felt like. Suddenly I was no longer in bed, but high above San Francisco Bay, looking down on the Golden Gate Bridge. And as I watched it, it began to shudder and break apart and fall into the waters below. I continued to watch the devastation, seeing buildings collapse and masses of people trying to find shelter. Then a voice spoke out of the heavens, a voice I had never heard before, a voice of great authority. Quote, I will shake this land from its foundations such as the eyes of this generation have not seen, the world will stand in awe and tremble in fear, as even the very geography of this nation will be transformed. My wrath is ready to be poured out, for sin has overrun my temple." In my dream, I began to weep, not due to the devastation I was seeing, but due to the great power of the voice that I was hearing. I woke up trembling, unable to breathe, and tired as I was, I I could not go to sleep again. Um, Shortly before sunrise, my phone began to ring. And when I answered it, it was my brother Daniel. He asked, Are you awake? I said, Yes. I had a dream last night, he continued. It was a terrible dream. I dreamt of a big earthquake coming to America. <laughs> When I told him I'd had the same dream, he was silent for some time and then said, I'm coming over so we can pray. He had just arrived at my apartment when my phone rang again. It was a brother from 200 kilometers away who is prophetically gifted and has spoken many words over me that have come to pass is this mike he said and when i answered in the affirmative he said i had a dream last night and i felt i needed to call and tell you about it i dreamt of a terrible earthquake in your country i saw a big bridge that was that just collapsed i saw destruction as I have never seen before. Does this mean anything to you? Well, it took me some time to find <laughs> something to say. I was speechless and, and could find no words. On the same night, three different people had the same dream with the same vivid details. Knowing that the brother had a prayer group that met nightly, I asked him to remember America in their prayers whenever they prayed, and he said he would. Before he hung up, he said, Mike, I've had many dreams in my life. The Lord willed it so, but none has scared me as the dream that I had last night. Only God can protect someone through something like that. There is no other hope but to run to Him. Amen to that. No matter what may come upon this land, we know that God abides with His faithful, keeping them, guiding them, and protecting them. Events will begin to unfold upon this earth that will make even the mightiest of men tremble in fear. But knowing that we have a shelter from the storm... A sovereign God who watches over us fearlessly, we press on, faithful in all that he asks of us. Amen. And uh, he gives Psalm 91, 7 through 11. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Okay, now I'm going to share with you, uh, we call it Massive Asteroid and Tsunami Hit the Atlantic Ocean. And this is from a link. I don't think the guy ever gave his name, but I'll put the link here anyway. I wanted to tell you another dream I had uh, a while back that I want to get out there. I want to get this on the web to let people pray over it. I don't know if this happens during the tribulation or before. The tribulation as part of the birthing pains in this dream there's a massive asteroid coming into the earth and everybody could see it you could hear it and it sounded like massive freight trains and it's shaking everything because it's moving so fast I went outside in the dream, and I looked up at this massive streak of light. A fireball was coming out of the sky, and it was moving so quick and so fast that it sounded like the whole earth was shaking. It was incredible and humongous. In the dream, the United States tried to shoot it down with a laser beam it was moving too quick to shoot it down with a rocket so they used this green laser beam and they hit it it split the rock in two then there was still this massive asteroid and it busted up all uh, of the other half into little fragments So they were left with still a massive asteroid coming in. The uh, massive asteroid hit by the islands of San Juan, Puerto Rico. Okay, we're familiar with that. It hit by the Bahamas, all that area. It crashed into the ocean and created a massive tsunami like... I don't know, a 100 feet tall or more. And it was moving so quick and so fast that it covered the islands. Yeah, tsunamis can be six, 700 miles an hour. They're very fast. You can just imagine, you know, when you throw a rock into a pond, how fast that moves, right? A big rock. It moves very fast. So it covered... Haiti up. It went over the top of them. I could see in the dream that these islands were completely engulfed with water. It went clear into Africa. When it came into America, because it was so close, it hit Miami, it hit North and South Carolina, and all that area. The main area that I was shown in the dream was the Miami area, Fort Lauderdale, and it went inland like the one that hit Japan. The tsunami washed in and wiped out houses and buildings like they were nothing. It just blew them down. There were millions of people that were in trouble or dead. And when I woke up, the Lord had me praying for these people that they would hear him and they would not be there at that time, that they would leave if this is something that is going to happen soon. Pray for these people to get out of harm's way. This was something that had me uh, wake up in a cold sweat because it shook me. I was like, "Man, Lord, I, I've got to tell people about this." But I've just prayed over it until now. Uh, I felt that it was uh, going to happen, but I don't know if we can stop it or prevent it. I looked on the NASA site to see, but they didn't know this thing was coming. Uh, or announce it on TV. It caused devastation worldwide. Okay. So I'm going to share some more of these with you. Uh, What he saw could have been a piece of the original rock. Um, Okay. And um, I don't know whether the uh, laser shot at it was uh symbolical or or not but i'm sure it's it was so descriptive here of the rest of the revelations that it's it's got to be part of it anyway the west coast tsunami and loss of freedom is the name of the next one that was given to doug hansen seven nine two thousand and fifteen he said, This is a dream my friend had the day after gay marriage was legalized nationwide by the Supreme Court. Well, some of us remember that, you know. Uh, the sins of the left coast, is what I call it, are uh, coming to the full. He shared it with me but wanted to remain anonymous. He lives out west in Las Vegas and has had several dreams like this. Additionally, the day before gay marriage passed, I had gone to bed that night and shut my Bible and laid it on the bed. I woke up the next morning, and the Bible was opened perfectly to the first page and chapter in the book of Ezekiel. I've never had this to happen to me, nor heard of it happening. I thought, okay, God, uh, this looks like a sign to me. So I read the book. Needless to say, the first 24 chapters are about God setting judgment against Israel as as a type of the church, I might add, for uh, its rebellion and abominations. I think this applies to the U.S. The underlying warning in the book was that judgment was set, the time for repentance was over, and that God was not going to repent. Here's my friend's dream. I was coming up the California coast as if viewing it from a plane. It was dark yet the ocean was lit so that I could see the ocean round about the coast. And I saw the Statue of Liberty lying sideways in the water, half submerged, with her torch arm broken off. I would say this probably represents a loss of freedom. Um, he went on to say, I understood immediately that it meant that the United States, as we know it, and uh, our freedom had fallen. Well, you can imagine if uh, truly the left coast is the last ones to receive this uh, domino effect of the uh, earthquakes. Yep, everything was in confusion. A lot of a lot of. Uh, Supplies that people need are not arriving, obviously. So everything appeared to be in chaos. It seemed as if the city and coast were under attack. Although all I could see was destruction, I didn't see any military or equipment, etc. Well, uh, I believe this shows the loss of liberty that this is going to bring. Um, or freedom uh, due to death and loss of structure, support, food, water, electricity, uh, martial law and FEMA camps for the living. Uh, Sacramento to Seattle will be destroyed by the Cascadia Fault earthquake and tsunami with what, Has been known to be 30 times the power of the San Andreas Fault at its worst. So, he went on to say, the next thing I knew, I was in a large, tall, square shaped building with many floors that was skyscraper height. I began running up the stairs of each level, and there were people standing on the stairs they all seemed to be asleep or totally confused as they were just standing still and unable to move. Well, they probably were not realizing that uh, 15 minutes after the quake begins, the 700-mile-long tsunami coming towards the west coast from uh, 20 foot to 100 foot tall, depending upon the location, And by the time the quake stops, the tsunami is already receding. It's that fast. I began running up to each one and was yelling, Get to the top! Hell is rising! Hell is rising! I don't know why I was yelling, Hell is rising. Well, my thought is death is... uh, coming to a lot of unsaved people by the rising Pacific. So, hell is rising. Isaiah 14 and 9. Sheol from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up From their thrones, all the kings of the nations, all they shall answer and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? He went on to say, I perceived that the building was being consumed in heat and flames from below, and it was climbing farther and farther up. Well, slowly, hell is approaching them from beneath. As I would yell at and shake the people who seemed to be asleep, some seemed to wake up and in confusion start to climb the stairs. Others seemed not to hear me at all and did not move. This is all that I saw. To me, it was confirmation that... um, I would say the coast, as we know it, will fall through great destruction. Interestingly, the Statue of Liberty was fallen off the coast of California. I have heard other testimonies of the Statue of Liberty falling off the east coast and in the Gulf of Mexico. And in my dream, it was off the west coast of California. Yeah, the. The statue was always in the water in those dreams, meaning their liberty was lost by water or tsunami. He went on to say, I believe this to mean that the destruction uh, and a loss of liberty, I might add, will come from all sides. I have been in a literal state of mourning ever since this dream That I haven't been able to shake. In all of my other dreams, the message was that there is destruction coming, but God gave me absolute peace to let me know that I have nothing to fear. Seeing my country fallen, however, has indescribably saddened me. Okay, here's another one. We called it the Great West Coast Tsunami. This was given to Chad 4-3-2011. He said, In this dream, I just had a knowing that I was in the state of Idaho. Well, Idaho is located in the Pacific Northwest region of the United States. Oregon is to the west, Washington is to the northwest, and beyond is the Pacific Ocean. So he was looking over these coastal regions. I then looked towards the west, in other words, the Pacific, and began to watch a massive wave approaching. This wave was so high that very little of the actual sky was visible above the wave. It overtook what appeared to be a smaller wave in front of it. it was not, I was not afraid in this dream, but realized that I must seek high ground. I started working my way up a neighborhood street that went uphill. I knew that I must get to over a thousand feet high on this hill." Well, here's a Pacific Northwest, 2008, and he said, In this dream I was high above the United States. There were earthquakes all over the West Coast in magnitude ranging from three to six. My focus was especially on Nevada that had a magnitude of uh, six-plus earthquakes. Well, let me say that most of Nevada is much further from the big one, okay? So they may not feel the big quake that the people on the coast feel. Then I saw the entire Pacific Northwest covered in water. The water covered Idaho all the way to Montana's west coast. All of the high areas in these uh, three states appeared like hundreds of small islands. Well, let me just say that when a tsunami comes ashore, it could come ashore very fast, seven 700 miles an hour from what I've heard, uh, and it starts out as a tsunami, but the further it goes, the more it's just a big wave uh, of water pushing through, you know, and it slows down all the time because it spreads out and it also goes to higher ground in a lot of cases, and so it slows down, okay? So he was not seeing what you would have seen on the coast, right? Okay, here's April 1st, 2011. I was in the ocean in a small boat, and I felt in this dream that I was a scientist studying tsunami waves. I must have known that they were coming to be way out there. The first wave in the ocean picked me high up, and I thought, wow, when this reaches land, it will be massive. Then three more waves came, the last wave being the smallest, and then a rescue helicopter came to get me. I did not want to get into the plane, but the pilot rescue person insisted. We then flew to what I thought to be uh, the nearest island. It was the island of Samoa. The island was completely destroyed. There were a few survivors. I marveled that the wave must have been high to destroy the airport control towers. The waves uh, swept the entire island. I then was in a room with the helicopter pilot. He was very distraught because his wife and baby were on the west coast. And I asked, why don't you warn them? He responded, where would they go? Where could they hide? Yes, that's the whole point. You know, when tsunami's coming in at six, seven hundred miles an hour, you know, and by the time you hear about it, it's on you. And uh, many, many people will not escape it. So it seemed it was better that they didn't know what was coming. Then we watched a news show on TV. The show was using a graphic to describe the height of these waves. It used the Eiffel Tower as a demo showing the waves going over the Eiffel Tower. I woke up and was immediately thinking of the scripture about a woman in travail, in labor. I asked, God, why did you use this as an analogy? I felt like he asked back, What happens before a woman gives birth? I knew that her water breaks. Well, uh, if this is the water breaking, it could happen just before the man-child ministry is born. I'm not saying that that would be true. I think the man-child ministry is going to be born at the New Madrid. Um, But, of course, the water has to come ashore and everything. I later went over to the computer and Googled the height of the Eiffel Tower and it is a 1,063 feet high which is uh, the second time I've had a tsunami dream giving a height of over a 1,000 feet. Well, you might think that's impossible um, but the Cascadia Fault is one of the worst ones out there and uh, it's a very long fault um, and the slippage has been loading up for a long, long time, and it very possibly could throw, at least at the very beginning of it, uh, a very large wave. I don't know if a thousand means something more spiritual. It could. I asked the Lord if I should share this with the body or the elders, and I opened my Bible and put my finger down on the word HOUSE then he has a note here look what made the news the very next day after I shared this on the broadcast may God be may God be confirming uh, and it was it was a revelation of um, great earthquake tsunami okay we call this a ball of fire Brings Tsunami to the Gulf. And this is Rex, December of 2003. In a vision, I was standing on a beach looking out into the Gulf and I knew I was in Florida at the base of the state looking to my right. So if he was, you know, looking out into... The Atlantic and at the base of the state, looking to his right, that could be where we're talking about. Southwest, low in the sky, I noticed a ball of fire moving at a tremendous rate of speed with a white tail behind it. And further back, the tail turned into black smoke. It went out to the horizon and disappeared. Well, this could well have been towards Puerto Rico where the space rock will fall to start the chain reaction uh, at another, you know, uh, slip fault there. Um, A few minutes later, I saw a huge white flash. And as I wondered about this, I heard in my spirit. You need to get off this beach. At first I didn't move and then I saw what I thought were ripples out on the horizon moving in my direction. Then what appeared to be bubbling way out. And then a huge white ball with fire shooting out of the center. Again out on the horizon. Well, it could, of course, have struck magma and released a gas pocket or anything like that that would continue to make something like that look that way. The ripples began to turn into waves, and I heard again, except more direct, get off this beach. I turned to run, and immediately I was in a poor section of town, still in Florida, Close to the beach, looking up into high rise tenement houses, pleading with people to get out of them and to follow me. I was telling them, take nothing, leave everything, come on, let's go. Many stuck their heads out of <laughs> their windows, which you can do in a the, in the, uh, dream, right? And shook their heads. And waved me off and went back inside. And then I heard, Rex, run. So I asked, where? And the voice said, up. I took that to mean north. So I turned and ran and ran and ran. And every once in a while I would turn back to see what was happening. Oh, it would have been too late there then in the natural, but of course, this is what God wants to reveal. And I noticed a huge wave rising towards the beach at a phenomenal speed. It was high, raging, angry-looking, and huge. I stopped trying to get anyone to listen and started concentrating on running. Not sure how long I ran, but I ran to what I think was almost the border of Tennessee. That's probably far enough. <laughs> I was standing on a hill looking back over several states, and I could see water rising. I saw Florida, Louisiana, most of Texas, and a good portion of Mississippi, and half of Alabama covered with water. Probably by the time it went that far inland, it would not be a tidal wave. It would more be just water rushing in, right? People were everywhere, debris and huge damage. At this point, I was taken to San Francisco, but I was looking at it from the vantage point of the air, and I could see all of the coastline, both north and south. I recognized the Transamerica building and water was halfway up. People were hanging out of the windows and in the water. The building looked like it was about a half a mile out in the water and I woke up. Yes, it's going to be terrible. Well, This one was called Death and Back, Vision of Coming Calamities, Elaine Durham. Elaine was clinically dead for an hour and was being uh, prepped for the morgue when she came back from the dead. Meanwhile, she was given a tour of heaven as well as a vision of what could happen on this planet given our current course. Hmm. And then this was subtitled, uh, A Changed North America. <clears throat> As the angel pointed in front of me, a wide view of land and water opened up, so that at first I thought I was seeing two countries. Instantly, it was made known to me that I was looking at a vastly Changed portion of North America, which was completely divided by a large body of water, and which had lost a large part of both eastern and western shorelines. Well, I believe that this is the New Madrid fault zone, which divides the United States. And as I saw this, I was given a total understanding of the natural and man-made disasters that would need to occur to make these changes. And I was informed that these might or might not come to pass or according to our choices as a people, according to my choices as an individual. In this scenario, icebergs and polar ice caps were melting. Earthquakes had occurred, and there had been hurricanes and fierce storms. The whole country had been ravaged by these things. I could also see massive fires burning here and there, not so much the flames as the smoke that was ascending towards me. As huge areas of the country seemed to be burning or burned, and I... We also have revelations of this concerning fireballs from planet X, both uh, thrown ahead of it and um, from passing through the tail of it, the earth passing through the tail of it. There were also explosions in some areas, some of like sheet lightning in a dark sky that were doing great damage. Well, let me say that the flyby can cause this this huge lightning storm. Uh, Where Washington and Oregon had been, there was mostly islands, the water coming inland over most of California and Arizona and parts of Utah and Nevada. Yet there were also islands there, massive ones. So it wasn't like it was all ocean. Well, like in our area here, it would look like that if a dam burst, you know, because there's lots of hills and uh, lots of valleys, and the valleys would fill in. So it could look like that, too. So on the east coast, I saw that much of the eastern seaboard was gone, though the water did not come so far inland as it did on the west, or the left coast, as I call it. (laughs) I was also aware that the southern half of Florida was underwater. I don't remember seeing anything like Central America or South America, for water surrounded what I was seeing and I didn't really focus on what was beyond that water. Yet at the same time, I had the understanding that the waters had risen around the entire Earth. Well, then that's a sign, I believe, that um, Planet X was slowing the Earth's rotation, uh, and it has 700 extra feet of water at the equator due to centrifugal force. And uh, this water would all rush to the north and to the south if it slowed down, which I believe what usually happens is it uh, both lays down and slows down. Lays down because Planet X grabs the south pole and pulls it towards it as it's passing between the Earth and the sun. And that everything had changed to one degree or another. The area of water in the middle of the United States was massive and was uh, midst or most extensive in the north. There were no great lakes as I had known them, for all of them had come together into this huge sea that extended uh, northeastward into the ocean. The uh, inland sea also extended southward, filling most of the Mississippi and Missouri River valleys and widening by many, many miles the Mississippi River where it flows into what we know as the Gulf of Mexico. This sea was so vast that I knew It could not be bridged. And so, in essence, the United States had become as two separate countries. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, we call this one Tsunami Flooding, Augusto Perez, 8-2009. I was looking at a large map of Florida and the United States when I saw water begin to come in the east coast about 15 to 25 miles inland. Some places were worse than others. I saw Jacksonville on the map and the water had come in about 25 miles inland. And as I kept looking, I saw the whole east coast of the United States being flooded the same way, as well as the rest of the continent all the way down to the very tip of South America, <clears throat> the ocean had come in about twenty five miles, maybe more. Of course, that would depend on the shape of the coast and um, if bays and other things, it would be different in different places. So this was his interpretation. He said some kind of cataclysmic event will take place that will trigger tsunamis and cause ocean tides to flood the eastern coast of North America. I was shown the water will come 15 to 25 miles inland, varying from place to place. Everything in those areas will be underwater. And he gives Luke 21 25, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring. Mm-hmm. And this one uh, was called Great Quake and Tsunami. Shirley Hinkle, 9-1-2006. And this is a word given on nine one two thousand and six. 2006 Do you trust me? It's with a heavy heart that I write this God has spoken into my heart again that the day is coming very quickly of a massive earthquake that will cause a great massive tsunami. There is going to be massive destruction, no place to bury the dead. He said to me, it's time. Out of death will come resurrection life. Well, my thought was uh, resurrection life as a revival is coming more or less after every catastrophe like this this happens we will be surrounded by death and destruction but it will not come nigh unto us if we dwell in the secret place of the most high great fear will come overwhelming even the strongest but With this, God will pour out His peace, and His perfect love will come and cast out all fear. He has set us apart to be His voice in the last days, and those who have been obedient to come out from among them, and be ye separate, will be blessed. Quote, When the flood of destruction comes, remember the words that I have spoken in Isaiah 54 the lord said well this chapter emphasizes endurance in trial protection and perfection he went on to say a massive flood will sweep over the land and as in the natural so shall it be in the spiritual i will pour out my spirit upon all flesh okay well, this came also at the beginning and the end of the Gospels. An outpouring of the former rain came to the man-child Jesus at the beginning and to the saints at the end, symbolizing the latter rain coming before and after the first three and a half years of the Tribulation. Okay, uh, the judgment on this state This nation is to redeem fallen men, the Lord said. The backslidden church, it is to awake and stir and shake and change his people. Amen. It's the end of all things as you know it. All shall be new. Even though you are reading the last chapters and the end of the book, it is really just the beginning. For I am beginning and the end. Amen. So, true. I mean, this revival will be the beginning of the greatest revival, I believe, the world has ever seen. But notice that once again, the beginning and end are emphasized. He will come as the latter rain in the beginning to anoint the man-child ministry and at the end of three and a half years to anoint those raised up by them. And that is because history repeats. That's what happened with Jesus, right? He will come after two days or 2,000 years, on the morning of the third day or third thousand years, Hosea 6 and 2. After two days will he revive us, and on the third day he will raise us up and we shall live before Him. And let us know, let us follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is as sure as the morning, and He will come unto us as the rain, as the latter rain that watereth the earth. So this is how He is coming. He's coming with the latter rain anointing on the morning of the third day, which is where we still are um that's how he's coming and that anointing as you know in Jesus's day the former rain uh he received it first and then he taught the disciples and then he poured it out on them okay and uh so that will repeat in our day except now we're talking about um, a uh, a worldwide church um that is to receive this blessing, and it's a worldwide man-child ministry. So he will begin the last three and a half years with the mark of the beast to separate the righteous from the wicked, uh, the latter rain outpouring, and judgment. And he said, there is no time to eternity. And uh, they said, wow, what a thought. His name will be glorified again. His word will become flesh again uh, through his repented church. God will be glorified. He is a father to the fatherless, so when you can't reach out to to man in this time, remember to call upon your heavenly Father and he will be an ever-present help in the time of trouble. And as with Jesus, when he was uh, raised from the dead, The angel rolled the stone away and there was a great earthquake. That's right. The resurrection and catching up to the throne is the great earthquake, which I believe is the New Madrid uh, earthquake uh, in the midst of America. And again, God is going to roll away the stone of death in the church with an earthquake and resurrection life will come forth. Yep, that's true, Matthew 28 and 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. So Jesus will reveal himself again. Truth will be spoken from the pulpits and in the streets again. The church will repent and cry out for righteousness you will hunger for His presence. He will be manna from heaven again to His people. Amen, I agree with that. Great darkness is here, but God, in all of His glory, is going to shine upon His children. The church, the true repentance, will stand in these final days. We are to remain in the city. We are to go uh, We are going to be uh, endowed with power from on high. We are not going to run away in fear, but stand and be a witness to this final generation in this final hour. It's time. And the, the question he is asking all of us is in this hour is, do you trust me? That's the word received at the beginning of this, right? Now, this one's kind of interesting. This is, um, we're, we're calling it Three Tsunamis of Judgment Hit the West Coast, and this is Living in His Glory Ministry, YouTube, um, and I'll share it with you, and my personal opinion of this is that uh, I know there are spiritual aspects to this dream, but I also know earthquakes and tsunamis are coming to the left coast, and this teaching may save some because there's really good advice here, okay? In the dream, uh, me and my wife were in our house, and we were just doing our regular stuff around the house, and all of a sudden, we see water start pouring into the house. We left the house and took the keys, the wallet, and the phone, and the stuff we needed and ran out the house up this huge flight of stairs, Symbolical part. And as we were running up this flight of stairs, I remember telling people, God's done with it. He's tired of the homosexuals and of the people living in sin. He's tired of people fornicating. He gave you time to repent. And the same God that flooded Noah's age is the same God that's about to flood you Repent so that you can make it up the stairs. <laughs> okay, my thoughts was Proverbs 18 and 10. The, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous runneth into it and is safe. One place says, as set on high, right? And also Second Peter 2, 4 through 9. For if God spared not the angels when they sinned, but cast them down to hell and committed them to pits of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the ancient world, but preserved Noah with seven others, a preacher of righteousness, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, that's very fitting, into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, having made them an example unto those that should live ungodly. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their lawless deeds. Reminds you of the dreamer, right? Uh, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment unto the day of judgment so he went on he said when i i said this i was referring to this long staircase that was a very tall platform this platform just i believe represents fleeing to higher ground in the lord in order to escape his judgments. The people on on the beach were dressed however they wanted to be, and they laughed at me, as well as the rush of other people that were with me to go up these stairs. Along with the righteous, those in apostate Christianity, I might add, uh, may Escape some of the initial judgments but ultimately without repentance they will be judged for their idolatry with the world and its ways so me and my wife go up these stairs and we were looking down from the balcony and we saw this massive tsunami it was as high as a skyscraper it hit the west coast and the beaches, and killed everyone on the beaches. And this is the crazy part. We were in a very, very high pa- platform that had a staircase going up, and on the platform there was a bunch of other people we didn't know. But we were all looking at each other, and some people were cooking and talking, and other people were just looking down And as I uh, was with my wife, this was a massive platform like the size of a small city. So these are people, of course, that are spared, you know, both good and bad, you know, are usually spared um, until whatever the next judgment is. Ultimately, the the righteous are going to inherit the earth, right? So, uh, my thought is uh, Psalm 9, uh, 7-12. But the Lord sitteth as king forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. And he will judge the world in righteousness. He will minister judgment to the peoples in uprightness. The Lord also will be a high tower for the oppressed. A high tower in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Sing praises to the Lord who dwelleth in Zion. Well, declare among the people his doings, for he that maketh inquisition for blood remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the poor. In other words, he is going to take care of the wicked who oppress the poor, right? The tsunami was not high enough to reach where we were on the balcony. There was a comfortable amount of separation between us and the tsunami. So we came back down after the tsunami hit, and everybody that was on this platform came down, and uh, we go back to our regular life. We went back into the house, and we were talking, and we went back to cooking and to our regular life. Well, this indicates that the judgments will come in waves. So Then the second time, the same thing happened. We saw water coming into the house again, so we went in a hurry and drove our car, parked And this time, there's people arguing in the parking lot. And I said, y'all just drop the argument. Let's go up to the platform quickly. Uh, And this time, we didn't try to evangelize. We just ran straight up to the balcony to this platform. Well, we know there's great (laughs) arguments going on out there, Uh, polarization of the United States, right? The tsunami was even taller this time, but the platform was taller too. Everybody was on the beach again, the same way as was the first time. And I remember thinking to myself and telling everybody around me on the platform, they just saw the first crowd get wiped out not long ago. This is ridiculous. Why don't they repent and join us? Well, I'm sure that Noah felt the same way. Yeah. Everyone on the beach were a bunch of homosexuals, again, dressed real nasty. People were drinking and smoking and doing all that they wanted to do on the beach, and the wave came again and just took them all away. I saw this. Uh, you you think that's strange, but... um. That happened in Pensacola, the Gay Riviera out there. You know, the white waves washed totally over the island there. And, um, yeah, I saw these uh, sea creatures, uh, beasts in the waters, mingled in. And again, the platform was even higher So once the tsunami swept everything out to sea, then we went down the platform again. And then it happened a third time. This time, I remember more vividly the path that we were taking to run to the platform. And as we were running, there were people looking at us like we were crazy. I said, "'Y'all are crazy. You don't understand.'" But they just looked at us like we were out of our minds because we had everything we needed, like our IDs, our wallet, some cash, house keys, uh, in case we came back again. We just had enough to actually make it to the platform to survive on the platform. But everybody around down on the streets were just talking and so casual. But I and my wife knew in the spirit that something serious and terrible was about to hit. So we ran up to this platform the third time, and when I saw the wave coming, we were still very comfortably above the tsunami. This last tsunami was massive because the platform was shaking like an earthquake. So maybe this is the earthquake and tsunami, the others represented other judgments that were coming, obviously not just tsunamis. but it, uh, it wasn't rocking, but we knew that there was a seriousness to this last one. And when I woke up, I couldn't go back to sleep for a while, and I prayed about it, that God would account me and my wife worthy to not go through that wave of judgment. Hmm, that's the bad one. Well, um, in Luke 21, 34 through 36, we read, But take heed to yourselves, lest haply your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. That's kind of overindulging, right, in the ways of the world. And drunkenness and the cares of this life, that that day come on you suddenly as a snare, for so shall it come upon all them that dwell on the face of all of the earth. But watch ye at every season, making supplication, that ye may prevail to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Well, amen. No matter what the tsunami represents, the last one could very well have been the real one we're talking about that he really wanted to escape. He said, My interpretation of the dream is that there's going to be a series of judgments that's going to be passed upon the West Coast because this place where I live is full of wickedness and perversion. Yep. Okay, we call this one Escaping Martial Law and God's Tsunamis. This was given to Sandy Shaw, 8, 9, and 16. In a dream, I had two times. Well, Joseph said, when a dream is doubled, this means it would surely come to pass. I was standing in Corona, California, on 6th Street. I heard planes that shot missiles, and I saw them hit the buildings and explode. I also saw military men walking on foot with their rifles amongst a a lot of chaos. Well, I'll just give you my opinion here. The deep state military will use the chaos due to the earthquakes and tsunamis to try to bring the United States and the Christians back under their control. But, For the true Christians, it will be like Pharaoh trying to recapture the Israelites at the Red Sea. The dreams have said the radical Islamists and the anarchists and the invaders over the southern border will cause chaos to help the deep state. And yes, the Chinese communists are here to cause chaos but the biggest part of this threat has been put down by the angels, I can tell you. Uh, the dreams of their West Coast invasion of America are mostly near the end of the tribulation. Okay. And g- continuing on this coast, this uh, track that we're going, martial law will also be enforced. The deep state takes advantage of every catastrophe to attack their enemies, and this is a civil war. A world war, I believe, will ultimately uh, ensue, which we will speak of a little bit later. People were running everywhere. The military were either shooting or arresting people. Hmm. This sounds kind of like the deep state did in Maui and Paradise Uh, And Chile, you know, they want to kill people. And I knew that those uh, being arrested were going to FEMA camps. Well, I believe that they will be arresting the right wing and many Christians and their leaders or people whose land they were stealing to make smart cities out of, uh, being removed and imprisoned, and uh, God said all this would happen in the Word, in dreams, in visions, and prophecies. So, um, Missy Pollock um, emailed me concerning martial law, saying, When I got back from the prayer meeting this morning, the sound of locusts got my attention. What came to mind was the Joel Northern Army, and of course they were likened to locusts for multitude. Uh, I then thought about Ezekiel 17, where it talks about civil war between the two eagles. Uh, Yes, I've taught on this before. It represents a civil war in the midst of America. The two eagles were fighting each other. And the eagles, of course, represent the one United States. I remembered that I had received Ezekiel 17 verses a lot recently, she said. Um, most recently, I asked the Lord if martial law was going to happen. And I received on 8, 5, 16, Ezekiel 17 and 12. Say now to the rebellious house, know ye not? what these things mean? Tell them, behold, the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and took the king thereof. Okay, well, that actually happened, we know. And uh, he captured, ultimately, Zedekiah, the apostate leadership, and he took the city. And this was, of course, uh, uh, apostate Jerusalem apostate leadership of God's people that was conquered and the princes thereof and brought them to him to Babylon well possibly martial law could partially fulfill this captivity to the apostates uh, to the king of Babylon before their fall but I don't doubt that they will arrest leaders of the church And or burn churches. I think that that's pretty well covered in scripture. And the things that have been are the things that shall be. So I asked if martial law was going to come through civil unrest and received three heads for a yes, Missy said, right? Well, I did, I asked two and I got the same answer, right? And the other two times were on uh, seven hundred twenty three sixteen I received verse twenty three and on seven thirty one sixteen verse twenty four. All of these verses were my verses for the prayer meeting on those days. Here's Ezekiel seventeen twenty two uh, Thus saith the Lord I will also take of the lofty top of the cedar and will set it. I will crop off from the topmost of its young twigs, a tender one, and I will plant it upon a high and lofty mountain. Well, this represents the rise of the man-child reformer ministries uh, after the fall of the Zedekiah ministry. Um, And that, of course, mountain is uh, spiritual Mount Zion. And verse 23 goes on, In the mountain of the height of Israel will I plant it. In other words, these are the new leadership, whether people realize it or not. Jesus was the new leadership in the time of apostasy in his age, and some people realized it and followed him, and others followed, continued to follow the Pharisees and Sadducees. So history will repeat. And uh, so he said, In the mountain of the height of Israel will I plant it, and it shall bring forth boughs, and bear fruit, and be a goodly cedar. And under it shall dwell all birds of every wing. So all nations of Christians will come under the authority of the new man-child ministry. So in the shade of the branches thereof shall they dwell. And all the trees of the field shall know that I the Lord have brought down the high tree, that's the proud false leaders, uh, and have exalted the low tree, that's the humble man-child reformer leadership, and have dried up the green tree and have made the dry tree to flourish. I the Lord have spoken and have done it. Well, let me say that after martial law takes apostate Christianity captive in parts of the country and the government falls at the quake and tsunami on D.C. and the East Coast. I know that D.C. is pretty much empty, but uh, there's no intelligence there. (laughs) That's a joke. Uh, And the East Coast. And the man-child government will begin to rise up for God's people, as in history. Isaiah 9 and 5 says, For all the armor of the armed man in the tumult, and the garments rolled in blood, shall be for burning, for fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given." And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, this is a dual prophecy, as the Lord showed me, of Jesus, the man-child, and Jesus in the corporate body, man-child, in these days. It's history repeating on a larger uh, pattern every time, so... And verse 7, So uh, of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. Now this is, of course, to the true people of God, not the world, okay, Uh, as it was with Jesus, right? Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He is going to give new leadership to his people, going to bless his true people. And other people are going to see the the blessing on these people and the provision for them in the midst of troubles and turmoils and the healings and deliverances and the miracles and so on and so forth. Um. We know that the Son of God came in a body of the Son of David at the time of the Roman beast and its captivity of God's people. And history will repeat on a larger corporate scale now as Jesus comes in the man child. Amen. So, now I'm going to talk about that world war in the chaos. And, uh, and the wilderness, okay? So in the midst of the uh, earthquakes and tsunamis, the man-child ministry will be anointed to conquer the deep state resurgence and lead God's people into the wilderness tribulation. I've said for a long time that I did not believe the Alliance would be able to conquer the deep state alone, and they're not doing it alone, I can tell you. One day we'll be able to tell a lot more what we know about this. But Revelation 6, 2 through 4, And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat thereon had a bow, and there was given unto him a crown. And he came forth conquering and to conquer. So the white horse rider, we have written on that, taken verses from all over the Bible to prove our point. Everybody says this is either Jesus or it's the Antichrist. Let me say all the other riders were negative in judgments. And this is a judgment too. But it's it's neither Jesus alone or the Antichrist. It is Jesus in the man-child body because now he has to minister to a worldwide body and bring judgment and bring salvation, the Bible says. So this is a big job. Um, this is the man-child ministry in whom Jesus lives. By word and spirit, these will conquer the beast, holding God's people in bondage. You remember what happened with Moses and Pharaoh, right? hmm Who finally won. And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come, and another horse came forth, a red horse. And to him that sat thereon, it was given to take peace from the earth, and that they should slay one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Great sword, of course, means a lot of death. And you'll notice that this comes right after the coming of the man-child ministry. Okay. So this is a true world war between both entities, the deep state and the Alliance. Uh, both of these entities have a world footprint, and they can have a world war. You say, what about the Chinese? Well, the Chinese are waiting in. The Chinese Communists are waiting in on the side of the deep state but I don't think you're going to find that they're going to be successful either. Oh, yes, they will cause trouble and they will bring down uh, things, you know, maybe even the grid and things like that. They'll do stuff like that, but um, it will be temporary. So in the chaos of earthquakes and tsunamis, the deep state, I believe, is going to seek to bring the Christians and the country back into submission But it will ultimately be like, I said, Pharaoh's army at the Red Sea, seeking to recover their loss, but dying for it, you know, ultimately. Uh, Exodus 14, uh, 21 through 31 says, And Moses, a type of the man-child company, stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all the night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. Now this was quite supernatural, I think. You know, uh, the the wind that blew the sea back would have also blown (laughs) the Jews away. You know, it's that strong a wind. So... It is definitely a supernatural move of God. Uh, also, uh, I might add that the uh, Egyptians admitted looking up in the sky and seeing a uh, red, what they called a dragon, you know, and uh, it was uh, Planet X. And making waters do strange things. You say, Can, could God have done it? Yes, it could very well have done supernaturally, but also... Um, God uses things and timing. His timing is always perfect, so on. And uh, verse 22. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued. Major mistake here. Uh, and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Uh, Major stupid here. Um, Obviously, the one who parted the sea was parting it for the people of God. That they would think that they could chase them into their uh, abode there is kind of nuts. But God makes people stupid when they're your enemies, for sure. And it came to pass in the morning, watch, that the Lord looked forth upon the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of cloud, and discomfited the host of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels, and they drove them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. They should have known that when they saw it part, right? (laughs) Um, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, and upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea. This tells you Moses was a type of the man-child who first had to go into his own wilderness to come and bring God's people through their wilderness. Uh, This tells you that the man-child has everything to do with the destruction of the enemies here. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. They couldn't run fast enough. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Verse 20, 28 And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and even all the host of Pharaoh that went in after them into the sea. There remained not so much as one of them. So you see, the man child does have something to do with destroying the enemies, right? And history must repeat. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And everybody out in Canaanite lands heard about it. (laughs) Yeah. 31, And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord. That's about time, you know, that they believe in a miraculous God. They have left all that with the apostles back there. It's all over back there. No, it hasn't. No, you're lying. (laughs) And, And his servant Moses. And from here, the man child company uh, will lead the Christians worldwide into the wilderness tribulation as a larger repeat of history. And according to history, Cyrus uh, Trump will conquer deep state Babylon like the waves coming together on Pharaoh's army. The Lord in the man child company will see to it. So, this destruction of the factious Edomites in the church and state who hated their brothers will ultimately come to an end by the David Manchild hands um, as history repeats. In Isaiah 62, 11, we're told, Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the earth. Say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward is with him. So the reward is for his man, child, and bride. These are the first fruits to uh, rebuild the kingdom. The reward is for the rebuilding of the kingdom. Uh, And his recompense before him. And, of course, that's the destruction of the Edomite factions in the government and in the church. Isaiah sixty three one through three. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah, the sheepfold? That's the Edomite sheepfold. This, and of course, there is one out there in the church. Even they call it the church, but it's not right. This that is glorious in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine vat? I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the peoples there was no man with me. Yea, I trod them in mine anger and trampled them in my wrath, and their lifeblood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all my raiment. Of course, that is the Lord taking down these enemies, these Edomite enemies. And again, uh, natural Edomites are in the kingdom just like any other Christians. They're there. This is talking about the Edomites as a spiritual type. Esau's seed, you know, as he made war against the chosen Jacob or Israel. So, the Solomon man-child anointing will take it from there. You hear what I'm saying? There is a uh, David man-child anointing and then there comes the Solomon man-child anointing to rebuild the temple and uh, made of sanctified people. As we know, Paul taught in the New Testament that the temple is God's people and uh, this is the kingdom. And uh, and they will be coming with that reward, right? The war and the uh, natural destruction will bring the world to a wilderness state because God's people uh, have to be matured worldwide. Uh, Isaiah 14 and 17 that made the world as a wilderness. you understand? the world as a wilderness and overthrew the cities thereof that let not loose his prisoners to their home. So you want to know where the wilderness is? Open your door and look outside. There, that's where it will be. The world is going to be a wilderness for a worldwide people going into their wilderness to learn to trust in God. And Kathleen received by Faith at Random, Ezekiel 7, through 27 Make the chain, for the land is full of bloody crimes, and the city is full of violence. Wherefore, I will bring the worst of the nations, and they shall possess their houses. And I will also make the pride of the strong to cease, and their holy places shall be profaned. In other words, their churches will be profaned. Destruction cometh, and they shall seek peace, and there shall be none. Mischief shall come upon mischief, and rumor shall be upon rumor, and they shall seek a vision of the prophet. But the law shall perish from the priest and counsel from the elders. 27. The king shall mourn, And the prince shall be clothed with desolation. And uh, the hands of the people of the land shall be troubled. I will do unto them after their way. He's going to render to every man according to their works, according to what he said. And according to their deserts will I judge them. And they shall know that I am the Lord. So while the world goes to war in the flesh... We have a different war to fight, and it's against the flesh, right? Um, As Moses and Jesus went through uh, their own wilderness to overcome the devil in order to be qualified to bring God's people through the wilderness tribulation, so it will be for the man-child to bring the church through tribulation. And Matthew 4 and 1, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He was led by the Spirit to be tempted of the devil. This is our test. This is our trial. Okay. As Jesus fed the early church in the wilderness, so the latter rain church will be fed by him through the man-child body. The wilderness was a place where man's works could not feed or save them. And that's all the apostate church has is false kingdoms and self-works. They simply do not keep the spiritual Sabbath because they will not cease from their fleshly works. But these uh, cannot save you in the wilderness where only healings and miracles did um, and can. And provisions can, supernatural provisions can. There will be a repeat of history. There they were to learn faith in their Savior, without which we cannot be well-pleasing unto God, according to the Scripture. Exodus 5 and 1, And afterwards Moses and Aaron came and said unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Well, we are going to have a feast in the wilderness. Um, The uh, seven days of the marriage feast are going to be fulfilled in the wilderness, right? He also said that they could not sacrifice to God in Egypt, meaning, of course, that under bondage to the old man and Uh, building his Egyptian kingdom, uh, they, they were not sacrificing unto God. It will be by grace and not by works, or it will not be acceptable to God. A few days ago, I had a vivid dream that finished with an open vision. In the dream, I saw a quarterback on one side of the football field He was way too far from the end zone, but the clock was running down and they were about to lose the game. So in the end zone was a receiver who saw this as hopeless and actually put his hands over his face and was shaking his head because it was impossible for the ball to reach him. The quarterback reared back (laughs) And let go with what we used to call a Hail Mary Pass. (laughs) I don't pray to Mary, but anyway, that's what they used to call it. A Hail Mary Pass. In other words, oh my gosh, the only thing we got is a prayer. And if it's to Mary, well, that's, you're just, you're just missing it, right? So this is where I woke up and the dream turned into an open vision. At that point, it, It turned into an open vision. And I saw the ball land on the back of the receiver's hands and stick there. Remember, his hands are up over his face. And it landed on the back of his hands and it just stuck there. So they won an impossible win. But the first thing that came to me was that, that this is just total grace. It's unmerited favor. They wouldn't have won any other way. The pass was too far, and the catch was impossible, too. And, uh, and, and the receiver understood that. And the back of the hands is not where you do your works. Uh, and uh, who can catch a ball there, right? So Jesus has given everything to us. He's like the pass, right? He's given it to us. It will reach us and we will receive it. It'll be by grace. But we too often uh, prefer our fleshly methods and have faith for nothing that Jesus accomplished. All who act as if they will be saved by man's works will fail. All of man's works will be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And Second Timothy 2 and 5, And if also a man contend in the games, he is not crowned, except he have contended lawfully. And what is the lawful way? Faith. The righteous shall live from faith. This is not faith. It's men's works. And whatsoever is not of faith is sin, the Bible says. Exodus 15 and 22. And Moses led Israel onward from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of shore. And that's because it was the only way these slaves to Egypt were going to make it to the promised land of milk and honey. And David led the people into the wilderness to overcome his traitorous Edomite-type son, right? Psalm 63 and 1, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, Thou art my God, earnestly will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and weary land where no water is. So they got water out of a rock, those Israelites did, by the grace of God. Uh, Do we have time to dig a well? Well, no. (laughs) There's no time to dig a well. We need miracles. We have to have miracles. Uh, So do we really want to walk in the steps of Jesus and his disciples by faith to see these miracles? Well, you can't walk in the steps of the apostate church and have miracles. And the bride had to go through her own wilderness to learn to lean only on her Lord. Song of Solomon 8 and 5 says, Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? After you go through the wilderness, you'll understand that it's miracles all the way that brings you through. Millions of people were fed, provided for, given water in a wilderness. That's a miracle. Leaning upon her, beloved. And the people of God will bear fruit of faith and power in the wilderness tribulation. Isaiah 32 and 15 says, Until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness become a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be esteemed as a forest. See, God's people are going to bear the fruit of Christ in the wilderness, not the fruit of man. They've already known that. They know it's useless, right? Isaiah 32 and 16, Then justice shall dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness shall abide in the fruitful field. Isaiah 35 and 6, Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, so healings, deliverances, and streams in the desert. Isaiah 40 and 3, The voice of one that crieth, Prepare ye in the wilderness the way of the Lord. This is the way of the Lord to come into people's lives. When they see the miracles and their provisions that people receive who are in their wilderness, people will repent. They will turn to God. They will say, It all did not pass away with the apostles. So make level in the desert a highway for our God. This is, of course, a John the Baptist text who was all about repentance from dead works of the Pharisees, right? Isaiah 43 and 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness. These are representing people are going to realize that God's people who uh, are not out there by their own works and didn't carry their water on their back or their food on their back and yet were provided for, they will realize this is the way. And rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. Ezekiel 20 and 35, and I will bring you into the wilderness of the peoples. And there will I enter into judgment with you face to face. And he did. He gave them promises that would have brought them through there. They um, quite often got into a tight spot and cried, complained, moaned, and groaned, uh, murmured in the wilderness. And, of course, for that, they did die there. They didn't make it to their promised land. So, verse 36 says, uh, Like as I entered into judgment with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I enter into judgment with you, says the Lord. Well, Well, wait a minute now. He's saying it didn't stop there. He's applying that to our day. He's applying that to Ezekiel's day. It didn't stop there. It still went on. Many of them fell because of unbelief and trusting in the works of man. They wanted to go back to the fleshpots of Egypt because they knew they would, wouldn't have to go through a trial of their faith. They could just go back there and eat and serve the Egyptians and build their kingdom, right? So we have two neighbors who were preachers of a non-spirit-filled religion and taught their people to go to man because that's how God does it. Uh, that's how he does his works now. And you can probably read behind the lines here. Both were dying, as we were told, a lot of those who listened to them were. Yes. One just died of a blood clot. That's one of the preachers died of a blood clot suddenly. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it's common. It's happening everywhere. Sudden deaths, And the other is dying of cancers, one after another. They call it turbo cancer Um, that spread like lightning through his body. Does that sound familiar? Yes, of course. That's one of the other main manifestations of it. And the one with the blood clot had just seen an astounding creative miracle happen in front of his face, and he couldn't believe it. I'll shorten it for you. The short version is this. We had a very long PVC suction line going about, um, I think it was 700 feet uh, to the pump on our property that pushed the water up our mountain. The head pressure against the pump was extreme. The pump had uh, uh, 10 stages to it. Uh, But the city backflushed the line and blew the couplings off of the PVC pipe under the ground going this 700 feet. So the pump was getting zero water. I I know pumps. I worked for Exxon, and we built pumps all the time. I was a machinist. I started out as a machinist building pumps and building motors. So I knew pumps and motors very well. So they back flushed this line with too much pressure. It might have had a water hammer too if you know what a water hammer is. And it blew the couplings off uh, of the PVC pipe under the ground. And the ground was sand and gravel quite a bit and the water don't come up. It never comes up. It goes down. So you don't see where the leak is. You can't go dig it up. So The pump was getting zero water. And the city man at the meter, when we started tearing into this thing, the city man came to the meter on the other end of that 700 feet. And he talked to us by phone. And he told us that the water was coming towards us wide open. He could hear it rushing through the line. But we were on the other end of the line, and we had the the pipe cut off and uh, there was not a drop coming out. It was, it was just flushing out through those couplings. So the pump burned up, and the motor got water in it and went zero to ground and just smoked. There's no repair for this. You have to rewind the motor and rebuild the pump. The pump was galled up, the wearings... On each impeller, it's got wear rings, galled it up. And uh, the pump froze up, the motor burnt up. And the pipe leaked. And it couldn't be found. So, this equipment was in a concrete sarcophagus with a concrete lid to cover it. This was a literal grave and we were looking down into it feeling like the receiver out there with his hands over his face. (laughs) But Jesus had a plan. (laughs) What came to me was, let's throw the lid on it, you know, believing I had received. Let's throw the lid on this sarcophagus and go up to the house and turn the breaker on and um, and the water. And so we did. And And when we got home, I said, let's throw the breaker on. I'm going to take a shower. So Michael threw the breaker, and I got in the shower. And I opened the faucet, and it came full force. <laughs> and I hollered at Michael, we've got water. So later, well, you know, that's just impossible. Uh, The head pressure against it is tremendous. I mean, uh, you have to have a check valve down at the bottom where the pump is so the water doesn't come rushing right back through there. You know, it's tremendous pressure. Uh, So the preacher asked us after we went back down there, he asked us how we fixed it. Because he saw the whole thing. He said, we said, God did. And we didn't fix it. God did. He didn't say a word. He just turned around and kind of wandered off, you know. Um, Because, of course, they preach that it all passed away. We can't have miracles these days. So, Father gave grace through faith, a gift from God, Ephesians 2 and 7, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. So, even the faith that you have is a gift of God. And it comes through grace. It's unmerited. He gives you the faith. He gives you the miracle. Not of works that no man should glory. Yep, there was nothing we could do. We knew it. It was all over. And we didn't have the money to fix anything. So, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God afore prepared that we should walk in them. Oh, glory be to God. Uh, If we're limited uh, to uh, man's works, we will not live through the wilderness. After the wilderness, one should believe in miracles because that was all that saved them. So you see on the other side of the wilderness, the church is going to be quite changed. Jeremiah 17 and 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man that trusteth in man. You can't break the Word of God. It's all being fulfilled. Cursed is the man that trusteth in man, and maketh the flesh his arm, whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness." a salt land and not inhabited. So it was impossible. Yeah, they got out there, and by that time, they they knew they couldn't do anything. They didn't start digging a well. It was water out of the rock. Right? He wanted to prove it was impossible for man. So blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose trust the Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out its roots by the river, and shall not fear when heat cometh, but its leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Yep, follow the people with the miracles, the signs and the wonders, right? Because the former rain... There were signs and wonders by Jesus. The latter rain, there's going to be signs and wonders by Jesus, except he's in a larger body of the son of David, spiritually speaking. And then Solomon ministry, where the temple gets built, right? So Hebrews 10 and 38 But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrink back, my soul hath no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that shrink back unto perdition or destruction, but of them that have faith unto the saving of the soul. So all of those who think that they will fly over the wilderness to the promised land are not preparing for the wilderness through faith in the word and can't guide anyone there, and will not survive there unless they change their mind. The testings just ahead in our wilderness are like Jesus' testings, and Moses' testings, and Israel's testings. So let us obey Hebrews 10 and 23, where it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope that it waver not, for He is faithful that promised. And James 1 and 2 says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into manifold temptations, trials, joy. Yeah, because that's where you get to see the miracles. Knowing that the proving of your faith worketh patience. That's patience in your faith, right? If you're patient in your faith, you will receive. And... Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacketh wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting, for he that doubteth, and this is true about anything you're believing God for, Listen, let him ask in faith nothing doubting, for he that doubteth is like the surge of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And Mark 11 and 23 says, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou taken up and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that what he saith cometh to pass, he shall have it. Hmm. Well, there's so much doubt and unbelief taught in the churches that they scoff at you when you talk about miracles. Mark 11 and 24, another great one right behind it. So you speak it, and here he says, Believe you have received. Therefore I say unto you, All things whatsoever you pray and ask for, Believe that you received them, and you shall have them. And whensoever you stand praying, Forgive if you have aught against anyone, That your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Yep, if you don't forgive, you're not going to have much success, I can tell you, because if you don't forgive, you are not forgiven, as Jesus said. So if we hold fast to the word, to the end of our trial, we will receive all. Hebrews 3, 6-14 says, But Christ as a son over his house, whose house are we, if we hold fast our boldness and the glorying of our hope firm unto the end. He loves us to show faith in Him and give up faith in ourselves. Wherefore, even as the Holy Spirit saith, today if you shall hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, like as in the day of the trial in the wilderness. Where well, your fathers tried me by proving me and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was displeased with this generation and said, They do always err in their heart, but they did not know my ways. And as I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest haply there shall be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in falling away from the living God. But exhort one another day by day, so long as it's called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we are become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our confidence firm unto the end. Amen. Well, all right. God is so good. We just got to put our trust in Him and believe in Him, right? Amen. Thank you so much, Father. Uh, Thank you for the coming wilderness that your people are going to be turned back to you. And they're all going to be full gospel Christians, full with the Holy Spirit and believing in miracles. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, saints. We'll do this again sometime.
0: Bye. My thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams Of mercy flow Oh Jesus I trust in you Though the mountains Fall into the sea Though the rivers Rise I still believe Oh your mercy Stands and your word Is true Oh Jesus I trust in you. And when I face that darkest night, what will be my guiding light? The shining rays of red and white. Jesus, I trust in you. Oh, sacred heart, in you I find Mercy seated for all time. I am yours and you are mine. Oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true. Oh Jesus, I trust in you.